one of my guiding principles is that recreation is a right and not a privilege. Everyone should have equal access to recreation and leisure services. And that's not just your built parks, that's programming. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is all about creativity and hustle happening in and around the great state of Montana. Today, we bring the lens back to the local scene here, and uh, we do it in a really special way, highlighting one of my favorite people in this community, and that's Meg Witcher. Anybody that's got a child in Missoula probably knows Meg, or at least is familiar with her work. But um, even if you don't have kids, you should be aware of the great work Meg is doing. She'll tell you her title. We kind of get into that in the bit in the introduction here. But Meg is the guru over at Parks and Rec, Missoula Parks and Rec, who has developed so much amazing programming to get people outside, to get people using their bodies, and to get people sort of exploring their limits, whatever those limits are. And the work uh, she does is incredible. It's important. And it just brings a smile to so many so many people's faces in this community. Listening to Meg, I want you to be thinking of, of three things today. The first is just sort of, you can't help but notice the passion she has for her work. I mean, the, obviously, to be successful in her line of work, which she is, you got to be passionate. And that comes through. So, so that's a, a neat thing to, to absorb. The next thing is she is constantly looking for opportunities to innovate. And that is inspiring, particularly as, as a parent of two young girls. It's neat to see someone who's constantly thinking of ways to kind of push the needle in, in creating opportunities. And finally, third, opportunity. She is passionate about creating opportunities for recreation for everybody. All types of abilities, all types of backgrounds, all ages. And that is a nice theme of the conversation as well. So I thought before we got into it with Meg, we turned it over to a couple of expert guests here. So I've brought in uh, two experts with deep experience in the Missoula Parks and Rec scene. Uh, first, let's ask Ainsley. Ainsley, you're returning to the podcast. Good to have you here. I'm I'm really enjoying that. Yeah, you are. Well, so anyway, what do you think of Coach Meg? She's the best teacher ever. Best teacher ever. And why is that? Because she pushes our limits so far she pushes your limits so far. And what do you like most about working with Coach Meg? The fun. The fun. And you have fun on the bike and derailers? Yeah. And on the river? Yeah. All the time. Charlotte, what do you think? She's very nice. And she's a very good teacher. Does she push your limits? Yes. Does a, Does she do it in a way that makes you think you can do things? Yes. Absolutely. Any uh, last words of wisdom for Coach Meg? How about a big thank you for all the great thank work she does? Thank you. Thank you for all the good things that she does. Okay, that's very awesome. I'll turn it over to Meg, and it was a super fun interview. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Now I give you Meg Witcher. Okay, so we're here today with Meg Witcher. Meg, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so so Meg, you you were kind of quickly become a legend in this community. <laughs> um and you know your official title is recreation specialist. Is I know, that isn't right? that funny? It's it's sort of ironically funny. I mean, you, you, we make all these jokes about how to make sort of mundane bureaucratic titles sound awesome. Yeah, but here's a bureaucratic title that actually sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I'm a specialist in recreation. Yeah, I know it's pretty fantastic. At first, I was like, it sounds like I'm not in charge of anything, but. Uh... Yeah, I'm a recreation specialist, an outdoor and inclusive recreation specialist, to be specific. Okay, 
Okay. That's, I mean, you could have some really fancy, cool sounding like name, but this sounds pretty cool. Supervisor. Supervisor. Superintendent. Supervisor of fun. <laughs> yeah. Min- yeah that's minister like of fun. Minister or... of fun. That could yeah. Be, that could be good. Yeah. I like that. Anyway, so uh, so you joined Parks and Rec here in 2014. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Coming up on my uh, fourth summer of summer camps. Yeah. And so I want to get into kind of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's just kind of give the listeners a little bit of background. Like what 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 was your path that brought you to Missoula? I mean, this is a big question. There's a lot of things yeah. in there. You grew up out east, and I know you did some ski patrolling at Big Sky. Is yeah. that right? So just lay it out there, a little brief bio. Yeah, you know, um, I've always been super into working with kids and always been incredibly physically active, played a lot of sports growing up. Um, It was a way for me to kind of center my energy. Sure. Um, And so I thought I was going to be an elementary school teacher, um, and that was what I was going to do. I always struggled with, like, the formality of formal education systems um, as a child, and I just wasn't one that sat in a classroom very well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought I could be that one super energetic teacher that, you know, brought something different. You would change the system I would change the system from within. Um, But, you know, my freshman year of undergrad, I met this woman who taught for the recreation department at the university. And she opened my eyes and said, you know, there's an entire field out there where you can be an educator outside of the classroom. Sure. And where was this? Where'd you go to school? This was actually in Virginia, in Appalachia. Okay. Yeah. Um, And I met this woman and she, you know, is still my mentor today. And um, they taught me a lot about experiential education Mm -hmm. and um, taught me a lot about the importance of the stuff we do outside of school. Right. And how we as educators can can make a difference in that field. And so I hit the ground running. I think I was like 18 and a half at the time. And uh, outside of a couple seasons working landscaping, I've never left the field since. Um, and it just kind of fit. I've been a summer camp counselor since I was 14 years old. Right on. Wow. I'm 35 now. So I've spent over half my life in the <laughs> recreation field. I managed to do my undergrad in outdoor recreation and therapeutic recreation. Okay. And uh, I focused in therapeutic recreation because, to me, recreation and leisure is what recreates and heals me as a human being. What I choose to do with my free time outside of my family, outside of my job, it recreates me. And recreation actually comes from the Greek term to recreate. Mm -hmm. Makes perfect sense, right? Yep. And so... I thought, you know, recreation has taught and healed me so much. I want to be able to offer it as a therapeutic tool in people's lives too. So after after graduating my undergrad and I started working with people with a variety of forms of disabilities in the recreation form, Okay. Um, did a lot of therapeutic backcountry, quote unquote, hoods in the woods type yep, jobs. Yep. And now is this with, is this with people with sort of, disabilities or is this with people that have sort of uh, maybe gotten into trouble and are using... I did both. Um, For a while after um, a lot more jobs are open for kids with, you know, maybe some emotional, mental health, substance abuse issues um, and using the wilderness and outdoors, a therapeutic tool in there. But then I was fortunate enough to get back to Maine and work in the foster care system at a residential treatment facility for teenagers in the foster care system hmm. running their recreation programs. Um, and that was some of the most meaningful work of my life. And so what is – with those programs sort of – I mean my, my intuition would be the, the purpose of them is to sort of introduce healthy lifestyle, balance, wellness, a holistic approach to health. Is that – 
100%. And I think that we live in a society today where we look at health in really two ways. First and foremost, our physical health. Everyone right. goes to the doctor. They go to the dentist. Um, you know, They'll go to the physical therapist. I think as a society, we are becoming way more open to looking at our mental health. Mm -hmm. um, it's so much more common that people are upfront and honest about their struggles with depression, anxiety, you know, any of those type of life's on life terms type of thing. Um, I think we're doing a better job with that. But then in the healthcare system, we forget that there's a third part that makes us whole, right. and that's recreation and leisure, what we do in our free time. Mm -hmm. um, we live in a society where when we introduce ourselves, it's like, hey, Justin, I'm Meg. It's nice to meet you. What do you do what for do a living? Do? That's so hard. I mean, I feel like it's hard to even – it's such a norm socially to start a conversation like that. I feel – I try to find ways around it. And right. It's difficult. It's very American the way that we yeah. approach that. You know, it's like, what do you do for a living? Well, I want to know, Justin, what do you like to do in your free time? Right, right. You know, like, what are you all about? Um, and when I interview people to come and work for me, you know, I'm like, that's, I ask that before I ask what your job history is. Because mm -hmm. I think that that, I look at what I do in my recreation and leisure time is what defines me. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I, giving youth the opportunity to experience and be introduced to a wide range of recreation and leisure opportunities. Um, obviously, I'm an adventure junkie, and I love all the adventure sports, but those jobs I also still did. If a, if a kid came to me and said, Meg, I really want to do hip-hop dancing, I'm like, oh, let's give it a whirl. Let's figure it you, out. Let's do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Crossword puzzles, knitting, hip-hop dance classes, art classes, gardening, you know, um, that's really what it's all about. And I think that is our baseline for for who we are as humans. But after that, I worked a wide range of seasonal jobs from ski patrolling to raft guiding sure. to, you know, literally the litany of everything in between. And in the recreation field, you you hit an age where working a seasonal lifestyle um, – at around 30, mm -hmm. usually realize that everybody's getting younger and you're getting older. Yeah, the supply <laughs> of incoming labor that's willing to sort yeah. of work for food and nothing much and more. And nothing much more and live in a tent in their car. And although yeah. I'd been fortunate enough to really build my career, um, I applied to nursing school and okay. I applied to graduate school. And nursing obviously is the more steady way to go. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I looked at my life's passion because for every one person that's a quote unquote manager in the recreation field, there's 500 guides. Right. So it's hard to find managerial level positions mm -hmm. in the industry. But I had to stick, I had, I took a chance and went to grad school for recreation management. Okay. And instead. where was that? That was the University of New Hampshire. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so I had done some quite a bit of traveling out west. And uh, after graduating, from the University of New Hampshire, I was applying for jobs and um, I was flown out to San Francisco for a job interview and I was sitting there and had intense anxiety because it was like the city and wow. it was a great that's, yeah. job. That's a lot of city. It was a lot of city. And just as I was sitting in the airport, um, I got the got the phone call asking me to come out to Missoula. Okay. And I wanted it so bad. Yeah, yeah. Did you know much <laughs> about Missoula at that point? Um, I had lived in Bozeman okay. years and years ago yep. as a young buck, 20-something, <laughs> young 20-year-old. 
living in a 1976 Dodge Winnebago, working at Big Sky, living the dream. Um, so I knew of Missoula. Right. Um, I'd been here once, but I knew, you know, that 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 it was a once in a lifetime. So kind of just conceptually knew that this this was just probably a better setting than San Francisco for you. Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, you know, the mountains and just the access to to recreation. And what really struck me about this community is I was waiting to do my interview in my office, and where I interviewed is right in McCormick Park, downtown yep. Missoula. Um, and I sat there and I was looking at a map and our conservation lands and our access to quote unquote, what's defined as the back country from sitting in my office, I could be in what's defined as the back country on my lunch break. Yeah, totally. And I was like, holy, like I get to program and I would get to program in these beautiful lands and for these mm-hmm. people. Um, and I saw the the formerly built park system that's been built in Missoula we're leaps and bounds ahead of cities that are four times our size. Salt Lake City calls us and asks, you know, how did you manage to do these commuter trails and built build such a well built park sure. environment? Sure. So, next thing I knew, I my here. my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, I was like, I want to move to Missoula, and he was like, okay, <laughs> let's check it out. And two weeks later, we were here. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, in the, so you're about to start your fourth summer yeah. here and just transformational as far as, the, you know, the, the, we can talk about all the different programs, the, the more camps, the derailers program, mm-hmm. but you've transformed this community and just injected so much energy into it. And, you know, what is sort of your guiding philosophy and how has that philosophy sort of coalesced with the platform you were given by the, the Parks and Rec Department here? I think that's the greatest compliment that anyone could ever give me is that I was able to kind of move and push. Um, it was interesting. My The people that I have that are my direct supervisors at Parks and Rec are people that I really look up to, up to and they never really gave me a framework. Okay. Um, they said when I came in, there was maybe, I think there was like 800 participants a year running through the MORE program. Last year, between special events and community-based programs, um, we had over 10,000. Wow. So I say over 10,000 participants just with the MORE program. That's not our sports teams or anything. Actually, Um, let us tell listeners what the MORE program is for those of you that haven't heard of it. Yeah. So, you know, under Missoula Parks and Recreation, the MORE program is the Missoula Outdoor Recreation and Education Program. And we run all the pretty much adventure sports and then manage the skate park, the high ropes course, the, the fishing pond. Um, we work with pretty much every nonprofit and business in town when it comes to providing, um, outdoor recreation to, to people, um, in our community. And now it's really spread to state and kind of, kind of area wide. Okay. Um, they said, you know, here's, here's what we, we expect you to do. We expect you to run some camps. Mm -hmm. We expect you to maybe like you know, continue the high ropes course and take care of the skate park. Um, And so when I got to Missoula, I took a good solid six to eight months just to take account of what was already being offered in the community and what, where the, where the kind of, where the um, holes were. Yeah. And I, and I saw some big holes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. One of them was inclusive and adaptive recreation. Okay. 
Um, and you, so I would assume you've played a big role in the, the number of parks and facilities and programs for for, yeah. for adaptive experience and disabled kids. And- yeah. And you were asking, you know, kind of what the framework was, is that one of my guiding principles is that recreation is a right and not a privilege. Mm. Everyone should have equal access to recreation and leisure right. services. And that's not just your built parks, that's programming. Sure. Um, and so I've really worked hard to make sure that there is a program and a place for every person in our community to go and recreate. Okay. Um, and I've met some really cool people along the lines of that. Um, so I really started pushing the adaptive and inclusive recreation programs because I think when we recreate and we play together as a community, we really grow together. And so I wanted a place where people could come and do a family program where regardless if they're child is in a wheelchair on the autism spectrum or if mom or dad was in a wheelchair or had some type of disability that they were able to come and recreate with every other family in Missoula. Yeah. Yeah. So accessibility uh, on on multiple dimensions. It's sounding though, like as you're bringing these values of your own to the system, you're noticing, okay, there's these holes, but also there's this, sounds like kind of a canvas for you to experiment and innovate and and create. I uh, I joke around with some friends that the only thing that I'm truly good at is recreation programming. Like I have, you know, Justin, you and I share, you know, a similar friend circle of these amazing endurance athletes. But I'm like, I'm like, I can put a program with 225 kids on a bike. And like that is endurance epicness to me. Absolutely. um, And it's my it's my canvas. It's my art. And, uh, you know, I saw that there was. I had a lot of parents come and say that, you know, we wanted a place for my kid to go to camp. Mm. Their kids didn't have a summer camp that they could be successful in. Yeah. And uh, so I wanted to create that. Um, And then I saw some other holes, too, in some – it seemed like the community really, 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 really wanted a youth cycling program. That That was like 20 20? release. Yeah, Um, derailers. I mean, that's in many ways kind of the crown jewel it's my if, opus. Yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. It's like my, it's, uh, you know, parents wanted a place that their kid can learn some bike skills. Right. And um, I spent a lot of time talking to parents, asking what their needs were. And they were like, you know, I take my kid out to ride bikes and they have meltdowns. And I was like, <laughs> you know, if there's another adult outside the family system that helps teach and facilitate this, yeah. um, and so now the program's grown to be such a community-based organization, and um, I see a lot of great successes in in the programming. Um, well, and bikes have been a huge part of your life. They still are a part of your life. I mean, exceptional cyclist on, on many levels, but but to me, just seeing the – in full disclosure, you know, our, our kids, Ainsley and Charlotte, they both are in the program. Yeah. They love it. Um, but just watching the joy – you bring to it. It's much more than, hey, if there's somebody external to the family it prevents meltdowns. Yeah. No, I mean you are you are in it. Yeah, you know it's super interesting. And when I do staff training, like to me, uh, there's no greater joy than sharing what you love with somebody else. Yeah. And when I'm and you can, I'm sure you share this too. When you're out on a trail run or you're when you get that feeling of and there's actually a recreational theory around it. It's called flow. Yeah. Um. And it's when your skill level meets your challenge, right? But your challenge just enough that it's pushing you, but not too much that you're going too far. Um. And for me, 
I first found my flow in some organized sports when I was younger, but then and then it was you know on snow, uh-huh. snowboarding. That's my dirty secret is that I'm a snowboarder, not a skier. Yeah, Missoula. yeah. Do, do you even call yourself a snowboard patrolier? Like I do actually. At, yeah. yeah, I'm like the one and only. I am. Yeah. So if you see a patroller <laughs> up at Snowball on a snowboard and you think it's strange, well, it's Meg and it's, and, and, and I am strange and it's totally reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyway, I, so back to you were talking about flow. And, yeah, and, and I found my flow snowboarding, but then I, as an adult, found my flow biking. Yeah. And I was like, I have the unique position where it's my job to help people find their flow. Yeah. And uh, and so I was like, bikes are it. This is it. And uh, it's biking really helps people find their flow. And uh I see it on kids' faces, and I see it on adults' faces mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's another guiding principle is kind of the flow. So, you know, recreation being a right and not a privilege flow. Yeah. So like, can we dig into this 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 flow thing a little bit? Because watching the, the way you – I don't know if push is the right word, but you push the kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and so – you know, there's this tension in our society between, you know, adventure and sort of the helicopter parent. Mm-hmm. And I just think something that's wonderful about your programs, and derailers in particular, is it gets kids outside their comfort zone. But it seems like the culture of this community supports that and entrusts you and your team with that responsibility. And I'll tell you what, it is a responsibility. Yeah. Um, people like to joke around with me all the time. They're like, Oh, Meg, you have the most fun job ever. Mm. Man, but the stress of having um, the risk management piece of it is not something that I take lightly whatsoever. Um, But reading the community and what parent expectations are, um, I think that kids in general today um, lack a certain sense of of resiliency. And I take it very personally that Mm -hmm. it is my job to help provide them with the opportunities to push themselves really emotionally, not so much physically, but emotionally to find out what it means to push yourself to fail and then resilience, picking yourself back up again. Right. Um, It's more learning in the failure. Yeah. And I think bikes are also the perfect way to to, to do that is, um, you know, it's okay to be afraid. It is. And it's okay to not win, Mm -hmm. you know, and as quintessential as and kind of corny is that every email my quote is you know it's not the mountains we conquer but ourselves right, and that right. it's fundamental so how do you yeah so i mean you got a bunch of kids on bikes 225 i think was the last count i mean crazy yeah turnout yep. so how do you kind of build a a culture of pushing yourself and pushing your limits and getting out of your comfort zone and balance that with trying to also not create a explicitly competitive environment. I think one of the biggest things that I can do with that is one um, have have a really set goals in mind when it comes to programming and um, being non competitive in the recreation programs is is really where it's at. Um, two is that training staff. Um, on philosophies of positive youth development, resiliency, and what I like to call opting in Mm -hmm. um, and really training what that looks like. You know, for example, and this takes a lot more patience than just letting a child opt out does. Um, It's easy to 
push a kid's bike for themselves. It's easy to carry a kid's skis, kid's equipment for them. Um, it's, uh, it's it's easier than having yeah, them do it. You're, you, well, yes, you're exactly right. <laughs> I mean, I fight that battle every weekend. <laughs> you know, but getting coaches and getting the community on board with the fact that, like, everybody has a capability within themselves to push themselves further than they ever thought their legs mm-hmm. would go. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this hill on on Jumbo that when you're coming up of off of onto onto Jumbo before you even get to the saddle. Yeah. Um I think I know this hill well. Yes, you know <laughs> this hill well. And it's not uh, it's not a baby hill. No. No, it's, it's not. really not. Um and the kids if they walk it, we're going to turn around and we're going to go back to the bottom and we're going to pedal back up it. Um, And it's, it's kind of more specific than just, you know, riding it for time. It's not a head to head competition. It's per it's purely personal in the way that the child pushes themselves. Okay. Um, And, you know, just to kind of reiterate, you know, most of the community and most of the kids see me as a super fun, loving, energetic, positive person. But when it comes to pushing ourselves, emotionally past what we think our bodies can do i want to see the kids push themselves and we're going to go ride that hill over again till they get up at all yeah um and there's a good chance that i might be standing up behind them with a hand on their back helping them if they need it Mm -hmm. um but you know they're also during that time building some resiliency and figuring out that like even though my mind is telling me i can't do something yeah my if I tell my mind that I can, it'll tell my body that it can and that I'm going to push past these things. And I think that that translates in a child's life to, to building that broad-based resiliency of emotional, like, I am capable of so much more than I thought I was. Right, and that uncertainty, like the outcome is not determined, it's uncertain. This might this might not go well. I might not be able to do it, but just the, the, the courage to try. Yeah, right? and to try. And there's no... You know, success is not dictated on how fast we make it up the hill or how we make it up the hill. Um, I do prefer that they pedal, but it might mean right. that I'm I'm back behind them. But, um, you know, I have to be honest. I've never seen a kid that's tried have to do it more than twice. Mm. Um, and they're tired. And it's different than kids today that are training for a competitive sport program sure. where they're running sprints for soccer it's not about the physical i could care less if it means that they're physically a better bike rider right right i just want them to emotionally know that they're a better human and that they're capable of it um and i think that's kind of the difference between what i'm trying to get at in a community recreation adventure program Mm -hmm. and your more competitive programming Sure, your school sports or your private clubs or all those sorts yeah. of other things. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of parents have approached me and said, you know, I really, you know, why we should do a race team. And I said, mm. I'm I'm all for it, I, but it's not derailers. Right, right. Okay. It's not. It's not. And I've had a lot of parents come and say, my child really appreciates the fact that this isn't competitive, mm-hmm. that they just want to come and ride their bikes with their friends. Um I love riding my bike by myself, but there is nothing better than riding my bike with my girlfriends. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a social thing. Um, you know, and so that's what we're really trying to get at in all the recreation programs that, that we're coming out of is, um, 
you know, a non-competitive thing for anything besides what you're telling your brain and your body and yourself. You know, and that is just so consistent with your other kind of pillars of what you bring, you know, accessibility and, and, and all those different things. That kind of leads me to this next thought is, you know, you've, you've told me that you've been approached to maybe take your, your sort of approach private. Yeah. And, and a deep, you have deep commitment to keeping this as sort of a public service, yeah. you know, a government-run entity. So talk a little bit about that. What would be, you know, what would be gained or lost in, 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 in trying to do what you're doing in the, in the context of a business? Um, I, it's a super interesting thing and I've had, you know, I've had people approach me and I've thought about the possibility of, of, you know, running programming on my own as a, as an independent business. And you and I were kind of talking a little bit earlier. I've been working in the recreation field since I was 14. I'll be 35 this year. Yeah. Been a camp counselor. It's, it's all I know. Um, and I, I do consider myself to be one of the really well educated in my, in my field, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but after, after looking at it, I do not take lightly that I am taxpayer supported to provide recreation and open opportunities for people to be outside and active in my community. That is priceless. Yeah. Um, this morning, because of my position, because I'm not worried about a profit margin. Now, granted, all of my programs are completely covered by fee-based structure. Yeah. We talked about this. Your programs yeah. have to pencil out. I mean, my, you everything has to a, pencil yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. I run a, a quote unquote business, but I don't have to worry about, um, I can, my successes can also be in the number of participants served mm-hmm. or the number of awesome kids that make it up the hill at derailers. Right. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily always just be a business, um, profit margin. Well, yeah, the returns are measured differently, a more holistic measure. Incredibly. Yeah. You know, so this morning, because I'm not worried, I got to go out to Russell Elementary School and play Foursquare for an hour through a program that is funded called Morning Move. That's all about getting kids outside and active and moving before school starts. And I don't, I wouldn't be able to say yes to those opportunities if this was a private business. Right. Um, I also wouldn't have a hand in necessarily um, getting to work with every other business and nonprofit in town, every school, mm-hmm. every um, because I would want to grow, you know, kind of be a little bit more selfish, probably. Right. Um, right. Or or if you'd have just to keep a narrower focus. I'd have to be of way some more monetary focused. objective. Yeah. Right. Um, and this is all my personal feeling, and that doesn't mean that. Other youth programs in town that sure. are business focused don't serve a purpose because I 100% think they do. Right. Um, there's a million kids in town and they're, they need a million opportunities to go and do things. Um, I just love the fact that I get to work with, you know, Freestone, who is a private business who does rock climbing. Um, we partner with programs. Right. The flagship program, which is the after school program, I get to partner with them to provide recreation programs. Um, it's it's awesome. Um, and so, you know, I really, really appreciate the fact that my job allows me to have a really broad-based thing. And I think that I would lose that if I were to go into a private business. Yeah. I mean, it certainly, it certainly seems that way. You make a compelling argument. Um, but speaking about, like, how some of the fundamentals of business have to permeate your approach to your work – 
I mean, you've got a, some significant kind of management challenges. I think of it up at derailers. Like, I, I, you got this fleet of parents that <laughs> some of which want to be Uber involved and coach. Which it, is awesome. I'll take all of them. Absolutely, <laughs> it's great. It's great to see all the, the parents out. But some are probably more um, easier to manage than others. Let's put it that way. And then on the other side, you've got a fleet of young employees, Parks and Rec staff um, coming from a different generation, maybe are motivated in different ways. Talk about those challenges a little bit. Yeah. You know, I uh, I jokingly say that kids are the easy part of, of my job. And I, um, you know, you put me in a situation where I'm running a program with a bunch of kiddos and I'm I'm like in my comfort zone. I'm yeah, sailing. Yeah. You're in your element. I'm in my element. I'm in my jam. Um, but what was new to me in my position in parks and recreation, especially this year, I'd had some management roles in my past, but none as intense. Um, in the summertime, I have up to 30 staff. Wow. Um, you know, and year round, it, it drops to more like 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, the thing about recreation in the recreation field is that it's a people field and you can sit and gain a knowledge of classroom knowledge, right? You know, you sit in your recreation, your leadership classes, your, you know, management classes and that sort of stuff. But it really takes hands-on experience to build yourself in the industry. And I was afforded those opportunities through job experiences and internships. Uh And a large part of my job that people don't necessarily know, they just see me as Meg, the kid, Pied Piper I don't, exactly. of Missoula is that um, a large part of my job is um, having a place where people can come and build the fundamental building blocks of their recreation career. Mm-hmm. And so I really only hire people um, to come and work at the more program that have recreation and education backgrounds. Okay. I don't want people that this is their summer job. I want that this is their career. Interesting. Um, and so part of my job is to manage those folks who I, I they come from a different background than I do. Uh-huh. Um, and so managing millennials has been a large part of my job and uh, it's a challenge. Uh, we in, were, in what ways? How's it challenging? You know, in, in ways you didn't expect. I think that I came up um, in a very, in a way that I was willing to go above and beyond and do just about anything to get ahead in my field. Okay. Um, you know, just kind of not blindly, but like no questions asked. No questions asked. I was going to, you know, I think about when I was a raft guide, I was there, whether or not I was scheduled to work, mm. I was there every morning, sure. helping load boats, um, cleaning out refrigerators, schlepping gear, yep. um, wanting it really, really bad. Um, and I knew that it took that base experience on top of my education to stay current in this field. Um, I think that there's a little bit less of that mentality in this day and age, and I'm probably going to alienate some of the folks that are potential employees, but um, the intrinsic motivation to just know to do things before Mm. somebody's telling you to do them is a little bit less. And so um, helping train staff to like guide them, with set expectations and then hold them accountable to those expectations has been a big part of my job. Yeah. Another big part of it is, um, you know, and I think I might sound 
like I don't want to toot my own horn, but I bring a lot of energy to the programs that I have in the community and people come to expect when they enroll their child or they're in a more program that they're going to have my mentality, my background, um, my energy. Sure. And so trying to get 30 other people to buy into the philosophical background of what I'm trying to get at, the energy of what I'm trying to bring. The culture. The culture is it's been interesting to kind you it, you have to get them to buy into it. Mm-hmm. Um, Although you're, I mean, the success of the programs in terms of the role they play in the community has got to be motivating as well. Like you've built something that that somebody who wants to have a career in recreation they they want in. I would think. Yeah, and I mean, it's in, it's it's super interesting. You know, I've I'm reviewing applications right now, and I've got applications from all over the world. I've got people that are wanting to come and work for this program that are, you know, finishing up. I have interns coming from the University of New Hampshire. I've had interns out of Wisconsin, Arizona, you know, and they they want to come and kind of a not only, you know, program and recreate in amazing places like Missoula, but also um, kind of experience everything that Missoula has to offer. Yeah, it's become a bit of a destination for, for kids that want to get into this field of work. Yeah. And, you know, and it's different, too, because... I say that you can be a class five raft guide on a huge river, like out on the Gully or like, you know, guide 10 day trips on the flathead, but it's way harder to facilitate 20 kids down the Blackfoot river like that. We are the hardcore recreation professionals. Like that's what I like to joke around. Um, But it's been interesting kind of in my career path, learning how to manage, um, manage millennials and, and get the output that I want for the community. Yeah. So, you know, Meg, as we, as we kind of wrap here, what, what's next? What's next for you with Park? How do you, how do you top uh, oh, God. derailers? Or, I don't know. I don't even know how to ask this question. I just think, what are you thinking about as the, the next big thing for you? You know, I, part of, you have to stay current with the recreation trends yep. and what the kids are into. Um, and so what that really means is staying in tune and, you know, whether it's broad just your basic outdoor recreation camps don't sell anymore. What sells now is like GoPro camp yeah, or um, mountain endurance camp Mm -hmm. or, you know, you just have to stay current with the rec trends. So I've got some really awesome camps that I've just released for 2018, some brand new themes um, from playing ukuleles around a campfire in our outdoor wilderness leisure camp for those kids who want to be outside, but chill it out a little bit more. Yep, yep to a mountain endurance camp where we're going to go for a trail run up to inspiration point and awesome. the, you know, um, just offering something for everybody. Yeah. 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 Well, Meg can't thank you enough for being so generous with your time, but also for all that you bring to our community, our kids, our families. Thank you. And good luck. We hope we, we hope we can keep <laughs> you for a long time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is my favorite stuff to talk about. So absolutely. Well, we'll see you soon. Thanks. Thanks. I could literally talk about this stuff all day. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with Meg. She's just uh, she's just the best. And if you haven't had the chance to uh, either get your kids involved in Parks and Rec programs here in Missoula, or if you haven't had the chance to get involved yourself, I mean, plenty of adult programming as well. As well, get out there, get involved, get moving outside, and um, you know, there's no better time of year for that in Missoula than right now. Anyway, 
next week we have uh, we're going to keep the lens local. And we're going to focus on one of the businesses that was kind of my first point of contact with the Missoula scene here back in 2012, and that's Black Coffee. We have the, one of the co-founders and co-owners, Matt McQuilkin, kind of a local institution, and we're going to dig into his sense of the community and uh, what makes Missoula a special place. Before we go, we got a final uh, word from our expert guests, Ainsley Charlotte. Any final words of wisdom for Coach Meg? Thank you, Coach Meg. All right. Remember that a new angle was brought to you by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. They're one of the largest electrical wholesale companies in the country with nearly 600 locations nationwide. CED is a privately owned business-to-business company that distributes just about every piece of equipment to keep your lights on, your energy flowing, and your lifestyle comfortable. CED is also an important employer in Missoula, and they have a keen interest in the University of Montana graduates. To explore career opportunities, check out www.cedcareers.com. Moving forward, if you have any suggestions for guests, cool people doing awesome things with creativity and hustle, please let us know. And if you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways you can support it. First, rate us on iTunes. Ratings help others find the show. Second, write a review. The more reviews we get, and hopefully positive ones, the more we can grow. And third, please just tell your friends about it. In addition, you can support A New Angle financially. For information on sponsorship opportunities, please visit our website, www.business.umt.edu slash a new angle. There you will also find a link to support the pod. Before we go, I'd like to thank a few people for making this project happen. First of all, Elizabeth Willey, Communications Director here at the University of Montana College of Business. I'd also like to thank recent UM graduate Michelle DeFluke and our fabulous interns Savannah Sletton and Max Gibson. And a special thanks to VTO for providing the show with music. Finally, thanks to my producer, Stefan Borson. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot and see you next time. Uh-huh.